ever sit down and just wonder, why Nigeria? To God, what was the point? Well, so have I and many others. And maybe, just maybe, we as South Africa got tired of wondering and decided to rant and yell and definitely laugh at the circus we find ourselves in. <laughs> Anywho, welcome to Satire Radio, a part of Satire Africa, which is a community that helps writers and readers succeed by exposing them to invaluable reading and writing resources and network across Africa. And I am your one and only Satire's resident drama queen. Hi, everybody. Hi. <coughs> Good evening. Hi, Damasu. Hi, Elizabeth. Yeah. Hi, Damasu. Hi, good evening. Good evening. Hi, thank you. Oh, Rita, how are you? I'm fine. See, this is cheating. I'm only the one sharing my face up here. Eh? Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. I've covered my camera, so I cannot see my face. I also now to cover camera. What? <laughs> Show your face. You are the only. Yeah, okay. Welcome everyone to today's Satire Readers Colony session. I'm your host, Peter Chupike. And today we will be discussing There Was No Country. So today's topic is going to reflect on the history of Nigeria going back to pre-independence and uh, pre-colonization era to discuss some of the things that happened before our democracy and if it is a hope or we really deserve the Nigeria that we have today. So I'm going to start with the first question. Hey, Charles, good to see your face. So the first question is, is your personal <laughs> knowledge of Nigeria before 1960? All right, before 1960, we had a uh, Nigeria um, was still under the Awakotenia uh, Masters. Mm. And uh, we had in 19, there was amalgamation. In 19, in 1880, there was, um, Nigeria was given as uh, Given to the British to colonize. Then, then Nigeria started in 14, the uh, amalgamated northern region and the southern region. Yeah. Then, again, we had a governors, British governors that came to rule us. Then in 1929, there was this Abaumen riot because of uh, heavy taxation. So, not be yes. today, say this thing starts. No. <laughs> No, it's not today. It has always been there. Then, okay, I think there was this uh, issue of, uh, uh, is it uh, twins in Southern region and uh, this, forget my name, this British woman. Mary Slesso. Yeah, Mary, Mary Slesso. Slesso. And it was not yeah. a Southern to Kalabati. It was a Kalabati, it wasn't a Southern to. Southern in, in the sense that the, the country was more like northern region and southern region yes yes because I, of the division i understand yeah Our people will not do history so, they have the top pass instead so, of they keep quiet like us see we are keeping quiet because i didn't do history in school you see how i'm humble i'm not talking to you 
Rita, calm down. <laughs> Sorry, Rita, I was to you. <laughs> so, I think after then, we, the country was just um, having side developing after the 1914. They having all these uh, political parties that they started having the one led by the then Azikiwe. They, they, they had um, those political parties they formed the entire year in 1960. And the Northern region were actually not really prepared for the third independence because they were not in agreement for Nigeria to have the independence then. But the South, like the West and the the Eastern region, they were like we were ready, we are ready. So at last, last independence came, and Nigeria started activity. Yes, uh, I'm sorry, Damasus. I also like I I knew there was a time I answered a question. I was saying that um, I think it was a, a current affair question, and I said. I answered that 1960 was when Nigeria had independence. But the question was actually when it started. And I think the dates are different. I think 1958. 1958. No. No. I heard no, it's 1966 that it started five years what? after the after the independence. Okay, you mean oh, oh I thought you were like when did the idea of it first start? Like when it got serious? Where did you get it? He's shaking his head. It's like I'm wrong. <laughs> you are very wrong, oh, sister. <laughs> Nigeria became as in a, a republic in 1963. Um, three. Uh, 63. Then, oh, not 66. I can't dash. I'm three yes. years. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So I think uh, that was it. I think in kind of summary of what really happened prior before independence. Prior to independence. As a child, all I remembered from that time was that Star Beer was existing. Huh? And Star Beer, Star, the Beer Star was in existence before the independence. Okay. Then secondly, one very, I also remember that there was something called the Abba Women Riots. That women were rioting and they carried guns and cutlass and wanted to cut everywhere. God. Then, yes, yeah, so Rita, they were rioting. Don't you know what the riot is? After it's called the riot. Duh. Then I remember that the only thing Miss Fulayakuti did in her whole existence as a person was to drive a car. Is that an achievement? Mm. Okay, then fourthly, um, apparently, Jaja of Opobo and Oba of Bini were supposedly heroes. Uh, yes, they were supposedly heroes. And it's so crazy that after hearing all these things as a child, then you actually grow up and then you take out your own time to do your research and you find out that everything you've learned. Right now, I, I want to lay courses, premium courses on my history just. No, seriously. No jokes. Mm. I mean, 
I thought we made sure it was not even a riot. I want we what we what I just like researched on and everything. I wonder what they're actually going to write in the history books about the NSAS protest we did. They're probably gonna say we let it cook with the way they twist things in history. I mean, imagine of all the significant things that Ms. Fumilayakuti did, the only thing they told us about her was the fact that she was the first woman to drive a car. Can you imagine? And, Do you and know just, how to add, just to add to your conversation, ne? you know, I think um, comparing the Abel Women riot and our NSAS protest is like a perfect example of how history can be skewed. And sometimes I wonder if it is like the our history books and the history we were taught back in school was fair on posterity. Because when you call, like you just said, um, Damasus, you said that the women we are protesting against heavy taxation. Now, when you call something a riot, you already tainted the intent of that activity exactly because i always knew about riot. when i heard about riot, i thought it was women fighting men and taking it to the streets no to be honest when i heard it i didn't even know it had anything no, I said to do go with and or or anything that had to do with the government you see so now we're they're already calling the answers protest um that is something that hoodlums. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we are hoodlums now. So I, hoodlum. I feel like mm, history is not like the people that preserved the history before we came were not fair in both documenting it and transferring it to our generation, you know, in truth. You should know that anything from the side of the government they will not give us a true picture of what really happened because they have which, to protect the interests of the government which so leads that, to my question are they going to so, label what we did as a coup yes the government I, okay what, what, what name are they calling it now presently because hoodlums and the like so they are calling it a crisis, Lagos crisis. No, it's a photoshopped crisis, dear. It's fake news. It didn't happen. So now you you know that the government will always uh, tag uh, his uh, people all kind of name to to protect their own interests. <laughs> the government will not always come out clean in terms of let's say it is like this. Up to now, they've not accepted anything. With all the panels they've raised, they've instituted in various states that they are looking in, into this. They are trying to still cover it up with whatever name they want to call it. Because the government, what they feel that is the best to protect it, they will protect. But what they feel that when people now rise and say, okay, they are calling this set of people hoodlums and all that. What are you calling the Boko Haram? Nothing. The government will shy away from it. So it's true that the government. They are giving, always, they are sponsoring the education abroad. They are sponsoring the education abroad. They are paying abroad, they are paying their monthly uh, salary, even more than the same, uh, their policemen and the rest. So the government, whatever they choose that is of their interest, no matter what the world calls it, will still protect it. That is it. So we should not, maybe in the next 50 years, 
or there about they will, you will not think that they will, this thing that just happened in this I mean October, they will call it a name and documented that exactly. they will teach children to teach children then that these there were schoolrooms that happened in the year twenty twenty. That that means we have we have a big work. We have a big responsibility and those of us to make sure a huge that one, that a very huge one, is not tainted or erased. Yeah. And this brings me to the next question. Hmm? Since everything about our history seems to be one-sided, we don't know whether it's true at this point or not. Are our past leaders? Now heroes or victims of circumstances. Ah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know what. <laughs> Please laugh. <laughs> because um, because when we talk about heroes, for me, I think a hero will be someone who has a cause or is fighting for a particular cause. Yeah. So, and that would also mean that whether the cause is accomplished or not. The person fought for it. So really, for those who truly, truly, truly fought, because most of them truly fought, some of them are just, well. Following the crowd. I don't, I don't want to say the word that came to my head, because some, some of them actually did for personal gains, really. Some people, yeah. like, they have the impression, or oh, we actually hear that they fought for Nigeria. But if you read some books, or you hear some things on people's accounts, you realize they were not fighting yeah. for the country. They were fighting for themselves. So really, I wouldn't say they were not heroes. Some of them were heroes, while some weren't. It's just like what is happening today, too. Some people are also heroes in today's world, in today's fights. Yes. Some people are also heroes of, let's say, NSARS or whatever it is we're trying to clamor for, heroes of better Nigeria. While there are some people amongst us also who are just fighting for their pockets or fighting for themselves. So really, it's a very dicey question. I won't be able to categorize them. I won't be able to bucket it. We have heroes and we have some that were just there. Yeah. Yeah, I think, okay, for me, I think eventually, in terms of um, history or any accounts given, there are always like three sides to the story. There's always your side, my side, and then the truth. The truth. So I, I think really that we, we don't know what happened. We really don't know. But there are so many things that makes you wonder if indeed some of the accounts are true. Because when you even look at the way they are turning the old protest thing, the, uh, the lucky massacre thing around, you begin to have doubts in your mind. Like the about women riots, whether they gave a correct account of it, the civil war, what led to it the impacts, whether they gave a correct account. And then you're just thinking, why exactly Why exactly are they doing this? What exactly do they stand to gain? As Lizzie has said, it could all be for like their own personal gains because let's be honest, I don't even see the business of Northern Nigeria, Southern Nigeria coming together. Let, but that's a matter Honestly, honestly, the whole is a I feel like we had no business way. uniting the whole nation in the first place. I feel like we had no business. Wait, 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 guys. Sorry, this topic is a very difficult topic for me. So, because I don't want to talk. 
<laughs> Sorry. Now this um topic now this I am part of this discussion me to a question we already have. So let me just throw it out so that we know we are discussing that particular question. Okay. The question is considering that Nigeria has over five hundred ethnic languages. Do you think okay. unity is an utopia? And Nigeria as a country, a contraption? Well, I, for me, I don't think, I don't think um, unity is an utopia. I think unity is achievable. I think beyond the languages, unity is just having singleness of purpose, singleness of of um, you're coming together, they sh you should have one thing. So it's like somebody marrying, maybe you're marrying somebody from another tribe. Fine, you may not speak the same language, but you're united by your purpose. You're in love or you want to stay together. If there's something holding you people together, you have like similar ideas, similar vision. So beyond the language you're looking at now, unite Nigerians together in a singleness of purpose. How do we unite Nigerians together in in um how do i put it in in oneness of achieving the same thing so okay. my 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 issue is is not the fact that um is unachievable it is achievable but we are actually not on the same page in this same nigeria southern nigeria they unveiled electric cars in northern nigeria unveiling donkeys for empire all parties thinking ahead. We know that the electric cars right now is not what we need. But at least they have like where they have a vision. And then you, you are taking people back to the olden days. Because I don't understand what you want them to do with donkeys. Are they supposed to drive the donkeys or use the donkeys to work on their farm or sell the Should donkeys for money? Entry into you know, Nigeria. Just it's like we are thinking we are on on opposite ends of the line. So until we can merge our thoughts together, until we can merge our purpose together, until if I'm having an idea, it doesn't sound barbaric to the northerner. If I'm a northerner proposes something, it doesn't sound barbaric to me as a southerner. Until then, can we actually move forward as a country? If not, we'll still keep on having issues that will keep on bringing us back, you know, causing rifts, you know, causing things that are not even making any sense. So until we have united purpose, as a country, northern Nigeria, southern Nigeria, I don't think I don't think we can achieve that unity. Although okay. can I can I say something? Unity of purpose. Yes, you can. Thank you, thank you. So wait, my question it's not it's not a question. It's kind of like an observation. Okay, so these colorless people, these white people, apparently came and said, "Okay, I see southern side, northern side." What's the best thing to do? I'm join them together because I see a future, whatever, whatever it was that their reason was for joining us together. But it's funny how these same people that joined us together saying they saw a future have also been responsible for like causing a divide. I don't know how to explain what the point I'm trying to get. But one very big, one very, very, very big problem of Nigeria has always been this tribal thing. And there I say it's our government is actually responsible for it. Like, and it's not, it didn't start now. It has always been like that. They've always, there's always been this tribal war. Oh, I'm a Westerner. It's not even Southern Nigeria, Northern Nigeria thing. Oh, I'm a Westerner. Uh, I can't deal with Eastern people or Easterners mm. are somehow. Do you get it? So 
it's the Aziki way and Awolowo narrative. Awolowo and exactly. So it's been a fight that has been going even before our independence. And now, what was the original? What was the original point why it was the Nigeria was merged? Because I've kept on hearing, oh, Nigeria was an experiment. Does am I the only one that experiments not that a finish? Results not a command for experiments. As in, that's what I'm saying. Like, is it just me that feels like there's another ulterior motive to the merging than just this experiment to see how well people live together or something? Probably for better control of the country or something like that. If I can chip something into that, your question, if there was another motive. I feel like Nigeria was also merged for some people's gain. Mm. Really? Mm. It was meant for some people's gain. So, like, the comment I said earlier in the other question was, there was we actually had no business joining both um both regions together, both southern and region and um, um northern region together. We had no business together because I feel like there's this people that say you cannot put uh, I don't know if any Yoruba person here will say you cannot put Omi Okun and Omi Osha inside the same bottle. It's gonna it's gonna explode. Please so explain like, like, to us. <laughs> Like, I, like this, I don't know, they call some Okun, that's the sea. There's a, or some, maybe lagoon or something. I don't know the difference. But you probably say you can't put both water inside right. the same bottle. Both salt and, salt and fresh water. Exactly. That you, that you can't, yeah, that you can't put them together in a bottle that it's not going to mix. So that's yeah. the kind of situation we have in Nigeria. Actually having that amalgamation happen. So just like um, I think BC said earlier, Maybe if the um, that um, early amalgamation did not happen, maybe Nigeria would have been better for it. If it was even going to happen later, maybe at the time it happened, maybe it was too early, because it was obvious from even from history, from all the things we've heard about the West, things we've heard about the North, about the South, Southeast, it was obvious that we had different ideologies, we had different way of life, and culture drives people. Really, culture drives people. So if if we actually had different ways of life and our our thoughts about things, I don't see why that amalgamation happened. It's not an utopia. You were asking a question if Nigeria is if the major was an utopia. Utopia to me would be a piece of a place of a place of bliss, a place where things happen, things work. This Nigeria that we have, even the one they had and the one we have now, it doesn't strike me as um, as utopia. We are in two extremes. People was giving an example of them buying donkeys for youths. I mean, who does that in this age? What should they be doing with donkeys? Like we're in two extreme ends. Some people are thinking about how see Elon Musk is being great things. See Americans doing great things. They want to explore that planet. They want to do this. There are more innovations. We should be thinking in that line. You know, we should be catching up with the world. Or oh, buying donkeys. Come on. I feel you, Elizabeth. And you know, I think this is also what creates more divide between us as a people. Because when you go on social media and people are commenting about these things, you find that people cannot hold their grudge. They express themselves by saying, you, you hear people say the northerners are our problem. You see. And words like that also strike this chord. Because we know that it is not all northerners. You find that there are northerners that are forward thinking. There are also northern parts of Nigeria that are more developed. So even classifying all the northern parts together. Permit me to interrupt you, please. Permit me to interrupt you. 
Sorry, sorry, please. So I agree with you that um, not all Northerners are backward, but I feel like if you divide um, Nigeria into two, the way it used to be, the progress in some parts is faster than the others. We are not working at the same pace. Yes. Do you understand? So that is my own problem. We're not working at the okay. same pace. Yeah. Please continue. Sorry, I interrupted. Permit me to interrupt again. But now, the, the, the issue with the Northerners, apologies to any Northerner or anybody that has a, a, a faith, uh, whatever with them. But I feel like the problem of the Northerners come from their own leaders. I don't know if it's just me, but then have you, if you want to get admission to a school, for instance, in the North, if you notice, the Northerners getting admission into that school is, I don't want to call it easier. They lower the cut of marks for them. You, you, I don't, you could see like, okay, I want to get into ABU and cut of mark is 200. And you can be seen like for a Northerner, you can get in with 120. I don't know. Am I the only one that has noticed something no, like no, that? No, no. Even, even in federal secondary schools, federal unity schools, that is what it is. The cut of Exactly. So yeah. why do they do that? Why do they keep undermining them? Like, they are lowering the cut of mark so that they can do join up and catch up with school. And listen, okay. if you are maybe schooled in the north or maybe uh, this national youth, uh, national youth service, if you are done in the north, uh, serving in the north, you will know that these people, they don't go to school. They beg them to come to school. And even those that eventually go, they, they, they speak in house. Now, this, they teach them in Hausa, and they will just like, they, they look at them, and the, the girl child, for example, the, girl, the girls, the, girl, the female children come, the, the, young, the boys just go about roaming, and most of the boys, they, they, they are male children, are these ones we see as Alamadri. Al now, the elites, the elites, between the elites and the, 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 what, the commoners, so to, so, to, so to speak, there's this wide gap wide gap there's no middleman in in the north you see that you are the among the elites like the ruling class or you are among the nobody now this nobody now they can they don't they, they, they push them to school let them go to school they will say they will like what do they need schooling for so a, a father will give birth to a male child after one year two years they send a child to alamajiri school where the the malam will be the one to take care of the child send give the child a place to start begging on the streets from that year too. Age two, age two. Now you don't see that. So sorry, the masses. Now when I, where I'm driving to is, is that when the schooling system or the education system more like there's no education in the north. Yeah, they have higher education grade, but with it from primary school to secondary school, huh? I doubt they don't go. So, now the elite now have been compelled that. They, are, they will be left out as in they, if they don't push their people to enter because let's say the south or the east or whatever the west are going to school then them from that region are not, are not uh, catching up like having graduate then the, the quarter system will be working against them so for that reason they keep even though you have you can even make it 10 points you have you've seen you've seen somebody in high school without even making the requirement of even o level work the person is in school. Why? Because they don't have them. They don't push them. They want that struggle. It's okay. This one is okay. Let him go. For me, mm. good. The, from where I'm, from my point of view, I see the problem of the north. 
as both cultural and religious. And then the elites are um, they are capitalizing on it to create more divide. Because when you look at the intention and the, 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 the mission of Boko Haram, Boko Haram simply means that Western education is a sin, which means yeah, they he... are totally against uh, education. Yes. Now, tell me where, where um, lack of education is going to lead a people. And now their religion, because they are also very religious, their religion now solidifies that belief. So for me, I feel like what the government is doing is they are seeing a gap and also their allies, they are seeing a gap and they are capitalizing on it to create more divide. But they are very hypocritical because even their children, they train them in the best schools. Abroad, all, abroad. all, all abroad. Exactly. So, and when, so and when you look at it, you see that it is capitalism at play at the end of the day. Because when I send my child, and if I am a northern airline and I send my child to school abroad, what it means is that I am making way for him so that when I step down, he takes over from me to, not to, yeah. and continue to rule the people. Yes. So for me, and, and, I feel and, like it's, a, it's more cultural and religious than a government issue. The government is just and then capitalizing they keep on using, it. And yes, they keep more. using this uneducated one to do their dirty work. So don't, don't, yes. don't tell me that, okay, they are sending them to schools with no cut of mind because they are trying to just get them in the school. They're not trying to teach. See, you're trying to breed a child up for society. We've got children in this that's who are making 300 in jam and they are going to school and they are doing really good for themselves. Then you send in your northern child who with who has probably got 80 or something like say you want to um compete in the society and push your children into school, giving them no cut of marks and thinking they are going to survive. They are not gonna survive anywhere. At the end of the day, those people come out embittered and stuffed and angry with life. See, bro, they are the cause of their problem. And I've yeah. always been one Nigerian and all of that, but with the way some things go, you, you just ask yourself, should we just go out separately so we can hear what the, the thing is that uh, the not the northern region, the people, their their leaders. I think that, that there was a time when Gulo was in power, he he said if these people were educated, if they had sent their children to school. This terrorism, this Boko Haram stuff would not arise. For that reason, Gulo started this their Islamic school. So even if they don't want to go to normal government school, they can go there and they will be taught everything they need to in normal conventional schools. And uh, their leaders, then they are, they are not an emirs and the rest, because just the way one of us said here that uh, they are religious. So they, they, they are subject to their emirs. Whatever the emirs say, that is they So they they kept against it that they want to they wanted to they want to liberate their people from that their continuous uh, captivity. Why one of the reasons one article I read, one of the reasons why they feel that educate these people, these uh well the commoners, for them these commoners were they are children of their you see, from what, from what you're saying, Damasus, what I'm getting from what you're saying in respect to the question, 
because remember what um if if Nenya was actually going forward, whether there was a future at all, was there any future that these people saw before creating Nigeria? So obviously it was for selfish reason. And bringing us together as a country without unity of purpose, like Olabisi also hinted, will be futile because we are not even at this, we are not at par when you look at it, the southerners yeah. and the northerners. So it's more like a contraption. Yes, yes, yes. Um, good evening once again to everyone. I never really know what the question, last question was, but uh, from what I was, you know, from the what the last speaker was saying, I think he was talking about, um, you know, the reason why Nigeria was created to start with. And I think that is very, the reason very um, clear, because if you go back to the Berlin conference where the European powers, you know, gathered, in 1862 or I can't, I can't remember, when they gathered to share Af territories in Africa amongst themselves, it was stated clearly that it was for economic, economic purpose. That's just the purpose. So it was not about us, the people. It was about them and what they can gain out of Nigeria. So when they came in, you know, there was the Royal Niger Company yeah. that we still have right now, the Unilever. It's Unilever, uh, the business company that yeah, that 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 was uh, you know running business in in um, the Niger area, like the area we call Niger. Nigeria right now. Child, uh, for yes. do history. And, hey. Wala for you. <laughs> <laughs> and they and and because and they bought Nigeria from the Royal Niger Company, I think for eight hundred and sixty thousand pounds. So why would they buy Nigeria? Use their money to buy Nigeria? It was for because they, they believe it's an investment and they will make money yes. out of it. Yes. So immediately they bought Nigeria. The next question they had to ask themselves was, how can we make money? We've invested now. We bought Nigeria from the Royal Niger. I'm company. sorry. I'm sorry. We, I'm sorry, Charles. You know, sorry that I'm cutting you. Sorry, please. You said they bought Nigeria. Yeah. Yes, they bought Nigeria for. The Royal Niger Company. Royal Niger okay, Company. Okay, the Royal Niger Company already had Nigeria. And so yes, the it, British people now yes, bought... it was operating. It, it, yes, but the, the difference here is this the Royal Niger Company was was operating in Nigeria as an economic um, yes. you know Entity. organization, just economic. <laughs> Yes, yeah, no politics but, attached, just economic. Attached, yeah. So, the, so, so the, the British people bought it, bought it because the Royal Niger Company already had the structure on ground. Um, yeah. yeah, so they were buying the Royal Niger's company structure. At first, they even leased, after buying it, they leased the Nigeria. <laughs> you know, Nigeria was like a company, <laughs> like a business. They leased yeah. the company in Nigeria to. To, to the Rio Niger company to uh, continue operating while they get profit before they now decided again to just, you know, come on their own and, you know, operate. So now how, how can they make money from Nigeria? How can they make money? The only way they could make money is by, you know, looking for first a way to divide us because they know if we, if we unite, we are going to, you know, we are going to resist. 
So how can they divide us? They use um, religion yeah. and, um, you know, culture, the cultural oh. diversity and all that. And, oh. and then greed. Then greed also played an important role, which is still playing an important role till this moment. Greed, greed is, is, now, is, is the key. Yes. So, so now, if you notice something, the foundation was already faulty. Faulty. Yes, the foundation was faulty. And, you know, you can't continue living in a house where you have a faulty yeah. foundation you have to you have yeah. to kind of reconstruct or something and that reconstruction has has not happened up till this moment you know so when this still... issue of separating comes up i become sentimental about it because um i'm one of those people that feel like hi but we've been we've been together for so long as a country as a one as one country why do we now want to scatter yeah. what has been but you know sometimes that's why it's good to know history listening to what charles is saying now is making me think of how you know you can't continue to it's like we are, we've been patching this country all along like patching yes. it just managing it yes. like yes yes if not, why are you laughing? Honestly, that's yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> when you say patching, all I can't imagine was somebody patching Nigeria with plaster. <laughs> yes, but that's what it is, actually. It's terrible. It's hard. Yeah, actually, it's, it's yeah. very true. Sorry, I wanted to point out something to like the second question you asked when you said, were these people heroes or um, victims, victims of circumstances, circumstances and all of that? Yes. Okay, now this is not even what I want to point out is like it's not even about um, Zeke and Awolowo. I'm talking about before them. That is when the whole slavery thing really started. I'm talking about Jaja of Okobo and the rest. Because all this were with legit, like my history teacher taught me that Jaja of Okobo was a hero, of which I don't see him as a hero right now because I mean, yes, he protected his own people. But then what's the point of protecting your own people if you're selling out other people to these people? Like, I don't know. It's, it's all messed up in my head at this moment because Jaja these people, Jaja of Okobo, Okay, continue. And them, um, Oba, or whatever their names are called. These guys made a deal. Yes, I know they were leaders and they were bound to protect their people and all of that. But you guys legit made a deal with the devil, which made it very easy for these same devils to conquer your empires. The only, right now, the only people that even resisted were the Eastern leaders. They were the only people that even resisted and got their land taken away from them by force. The rest of them, all the Lagos Islands and all the rest, they just, then the issue of Kosoko and his nephew that were both others and then that one sold Lagos. It was, it's a terrible thing. So to me, most of these guys are not heroes. They're just people that just came and did what they thought was best. If you ask me, I think they are both. Some of them were victims. Most of them were victims of circumstance, if you ask me, because they acted on limited knowledge. They were short-sighted. And also this issue of greed came into play when they were in a position to get um, as much... Um, how will I put it? I don't want to call it benefit. Benefit is like simply trivializing it. But they stood a chance to be in a better position to advance more than every other person. And they took it. 
without thinking of the repercussion or the effect it will have in the coming like coming years or coming generations? I think the main heroes, the main heroes were and the average Nigerians that were living back then that suffered in the hands of colonialism because oh. you know they use they use military force to dominate us basically and you, you there are a lot of stories actually you hear three of the people from the community in present the states called city rule where um when uh, a lot of that then the general sent um you know some soldiers to go and <laughs> one funny thing let me just point out this before i continue my point one funny thing is that they were using nigerians to oppress nigerians because these soldiers i'm telling you now because they sent 70 soldiers it was just the white one person that was the person leading them that was a white person the rest were nigerians so um he sent these people to go and you know take over that community and the, the citizens of that community resisted and they tried to force them so at the end these people um you know killed these um, people that were sent these people that were sent by lord that you know what lord that did he sent in 500 more men and they literally cleaned up the whole community from from the from history, over 2,000 people were killed, both old, young children, and they, they just wiped out the community. And they did that in collaboration with this uh, Sultan of Sokoto, who was the kind of the, the district leader of you know, that, that area. Now, these people, those guys that resisted, those community people, they are the heroes. I think they are the heroes, and they are the people that we, we should be. Be, be, um, you know, we should be for all that they did. This brings me to another question that I feel like is also relevant when we are trying to treat the foundation of our country. Um, there was a genocide that happened in Nigeria, which we conveniently call the Nigerian Civil War, which we know that it wasn't. And it was also funded by our colonizers, even though they were at the background. And the northerners were the face for which they, you know, perpetrated this evil. So, Adam, my question now is, the no victor, no vanquished statements pronounced by Gowon at the end of the genocide you know, seemed more like a band-aid that covered a gangrene in the unity of Nigeria. Do you think that the outcome of that war was fairly managed? And now in the First context of, of moving, oh, sorry, and now, if I may add, in the context of moving forward, do you think that this particular um, incident needs to be revisited for actual unity to exist as a country going okay. forward. Okay, let me answer. Let me answer that. First of all, I feel like I don't take anything go on seriously because he doesn't know what's happening. It was just a figurehead put there. Oh yeah, take who bam. So my nigga was lost. Who is your that nigga? That was why <laughs> go on. <laughs> Wait. 
my nigga was lost, which was why Ojuku was able to outsmart him in the first place. That's one. Two, I can't, I don't know if there's a word deeper than hate. That's what I feel for Ojuku. Like, I can't stand the man. I mean, what's the point of gingering people saying, oh, one Nigeria, um, let's fight, Biafra, let us separate, blah, blah, blah. We need to be in power, we need to rule, and all of that. What's the point of gingering people for that? And you do not prepare them with weapons to fight. You don't, nothing, like all you gave to them were words. If words could kill, well, lie, every single person in government, they would have been dead. Because that was what you could, he gingered them. And then at the, at the height of everything, you, you fled, really. It hurts because I, I've gotten to like hear these stories. Like what we see in news, what we see in the books, all the Chimamanda and all the rest, is not even up to like one eighth of what really went down. I'm talking about serious starvation. My dad used to tell me they, they had to hide in wells. Like they had to hide the children in wells and all of that. Like you could literally get put in a wall and not know if your parents are coming back to pick you up from there. That, that, that's how bad it was. Because my, my grandparents stayed in the north and then luckily for them, my grandfather saw the war coming on time and actually fled. Fled with his family. Now imagine that they were still there. All that happened, and then, and then, well, it cannot be well with my history teacher because those guys literally told me that Mutala Mohammed was some kind of hero. He wasn't. Do you know the order that man gave that led to the killing of how many Easterners and um, how many Satanas? Really? <sighs> oh, I'm just so angry. If, and then, yes, cry, the revisiting cry. of that. Don't we, cry. We, <laughs> we need to revisit that because we've got a lot of people with the nursing these old wounds. Yeah. We still have a lot of people nursing these old wounds. My dad is still nursing these old wounds. I wasn't there, but this, with the stories I've heard, I'm still nursing this old, this old wound. I have a friend, if you give her a gun, she will clear every single other person because she's still nursing these old wounds. Now we're going to keep passing these stories to our children, which is, and they're going to keep gaining this, like the wound is going to keep on opening up. You know that thing where you, you don't treat a wound, you just leave it there, oh, I'm fine. And then it's going to keep on, coming up and it's going to keep on stinking. Right now, it's stinking. And everybody is just saying, one Nigeria, one Nigeria. We cannot one Nigeria anything till we resolve this all. Till we sit down and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's the same thing that's going on with the whole racism thing here. But yes, even I'm sorry is not British... enough. Some people also need to pay for their actions. So because sorry- No, I, I, no I get it. No, when I'm talking of the I'm sorry, I'm talking about it in regards of us, the youth, that were not there when these things happened. Yeah. I'm not talking okay. of those ones that were actually. It's the same thing that is going on with this racism thing. Because now the British people, their four forefathers and whatever, and your grandfather did this rubbish to us, maltreated us and the rest. And then you somebody's now saying, Oh, but I wasn't there. But it's your freaking grandfather that did this. So we all we all of us here are on the whole world, not just Nigeria, are suffering from wounds that everybody is not feeling yes yeah. i'm done ranting okay can i come in now with an unpopular opinion like to be very different <laughs> from what if he was saying now your unpopular <laughs> opinion is welcome okay my perspective opinion on this very question you just asked now is that all is fair in war 
because <laughs> it was a war for God's sake. What were you expecting that they will, they will be throwing uh, biscuits and and vijou milk for for the Biafran soldiers or what? The thing is, um, if the Biafran soldiers had the chance, they would have done the same thing the Nigerian soldiers did to the other people. So it was just a matter of them. No, um, but Charles, I disagree with you. You know why I disagree with you? No. Why I disagree with you is the, the intense, what was driving the war is the problem, not even the war itself. Because the intent was targeted at people because of their ethnic, uh, because of who they are, the people, not because of anything they did either to the government or you understand, not like Boko, like for Boko Haram now. If, if the the word Nigerian army is fighting against Boko Haram is because they are terrorists, what, you know, and what, they are acting what? against the government, the state. But when you target such attack okay, on we, a, a people just because of their ethnic uh, belonging, that's not fair. It's the intent that is actually the problem, not even the it, war and the tactics or the strategy. Okay, uh, um, Rita, with all due respect, I think you, you are speaking more from um, an emotional point of view. Because why I say so is this. Um, now... Nigeria was one country, and in um, 1979, uh, 1967 or so, if I if I'm right, 1967, Ujuku yeah. uh, decided that Biafra should go. Now, um, all the major resources why did he, in Nigeria. Why, no, why did he decide that Biafra should go? Okay, uh, do you want me? To... military men, Okay, no, no, that one, that one was a very that they are actually short and long, um, how do you put it now? Like courses of the If want to start, okay, if you want to, if you want to, to, to check, if you want to check from the, then we'll start to check from, from the origin of Nigeria. Like I told you, the strategy that the, the British people used to colonize Nigeria was strategy of divide in Nigeria. Um, and so there was this already there was this uh, suspicion already on like whatever move the Hausa people do the eastern people will say well, they are doing it the Igbo people do say they are doing it for this reason whatever the Hausa people does the Igbo people will say like, so it's no, that suspicion wait, sorry I, I know it seems as okay. if so, um, no, 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 it seems I'm as if I'm way. attacking you eh? no 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 I don't feel that way I don't feel no, that way but what I'm trying to say is that eh we yes. are already having this discussion within the context of why we felt Nigeria is not working because of how we yes. are unequally yoked as a people, you see. Yes. So now yes. what you're trying to say is because um, the eastern part of Nigeria was trying to divide from the concept of Nigeria and how it will benefit and how it will have a negative effect on our colonial masters. It was seen as yeah. an action against the state. Is that it? Yeah. No, no, no. See. No, no I want to know because you... I'm trying to move away from the emotional aspect of it being that, oh, they are attacking a particular okay. people. So I'm now saying that, okay, now yes. the attitude yes. to separate. 
was seen as an action against the state, right? Mm, yes. And that was why they yes. felt that they should attack. Yes, which so, is which is common everywhere. You can even Catalonia in Spain. I you can see. You. In fact, there's no country where one part will say they want to leave and the country will allow them to go, especially when their resources, the main source of income in that country is from that particular region. It's, it's, it's politics, it's, it's normal, it's everywhere. So the, the main point I'm trying to make right now is that the Biafra war is not one of our major problems right now. And it's not one of the main issues we are having. An average man, including someone from the East, who are the people that suffered mostly from the war, does not really care about what happened in the war right now. What they care about is to have just the basic necessities like of life or like basic things that help them grow their business, help them grow, you know, in all. Well, um, with what um, has been said so far, the war, the Nigerian Civil War, it has two sides to it. The government, which was the Nigerian state, was never, would never, or were not going to allow one part of the country to be ceded off for any reason. Because they really wanted the state to exist as a country, as a nation. Now, from the background to this, we had our colonial masters, which for them, Nigeria was, Nigeria was and still, their property that they've not finished with. Yes. <laughs> their property that they've not finished with. So it's more That's like... Okay. <laughs> yes. They've not finished with, because if if they had already finished with Nigeria as a state and give us that true independence that we really needed, then there won't be any form of uh, underground influence pushing for yeah. whatever, pushing for what they want. Now, okay. this, civil war, this civil war Nigeria had, the, the foreigners, which is the British and the Russian and the rest, aided Nigeria to make that thing happen and conquered. And that one came up and said there was no victory, there was no vanquish. The issue here is that our colonial masters, like Charles said earlier, that fought Nigeria from the Royal Dutch, whatever. Company. Royal Niger Company. Royal Niger. Royal Niger Company that they bought Nigerian from Royal Niger Company. And so imagine you having a having bought a, a shares all from your friend and that shares is still in the market. You're always wanting that they either it's keep on giving you returns and if not, you still sell it off. So that was the case here. So them leaving Nigeria prior, remember when I was saying earlier that the, our colonial masters about to leave Nigeria, it was not the whole Nigeria as a state wanted. They not weren't ready for that independence. And imagine you having three kids and you are about to uh, leave for, uh, go for a journey. You now go to your last born and carry your last born that you should be taking care of each house while you are away. So that anytime you can easily penetrate your last born because maybe one, your, your last born is not, uh, will always tell mommy or daddy anything that happens. And your last one always run to you and say, ah, that is what is happening at home and all that. But Namasos, the, please, the, can you pause for one minute? Let me let me interject. Eh? You know, okay. when you say Nigeria had three sons, ne? 
you are referring yeah. to the um, Igbo, um, Yoruba, and Hausa group, right? Ethnic groups. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. in our, when we look at it through through Nigeria as a country, we are more than that. No, now we are talking I about. I feel like that, that is also part of our problem. Like that no. is also part yeah. of the problem. Will you nah. consider the whole South a minority no, group? Nah. Ah. Nah. Yeah. When I when I yeah, when I when I have three sons, right? That when the colonial master they were living. At least the people we were hearing the names, uh, we heard the, uh, their names were the people like the Amado Bellos, people like the Southern of Sokoto, people like all these them Azikwe from the West. We we're hearing our oh, these were the people. They, yes, these were the people we were here. We heard about their names, right? Now yeah. they gave power to the weaker one. They hand over Nigeria to the North. That's why the North now abolished Nigeria is theirs. The seat of power is the Caliphate. Of Sokoto, they will tell you Nigeria is theirs. More reason why they often any small thing, anything happen. The 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 Britain, the British people will always come in like we gave you because people are loyal. Your loyalty is compared to none. We can easily penetrate. The South was difficult for them. Remember, they couldn't just penetrate the South so easily. They had issues in going down south. In the north, it was an easy ride because there are people there are subject. That they can easily be subjected to. This is like reliving a horror story. I'm telling you. So now, so at this, at this, at this, at this point, the 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 three sons I was trying to use as an analogy, the the last born was the weaker one among them, and the British felt that this is the only person that can always be submissive to us for whenever we call coming. I remember we we bought we we like bought property, so they were not finished with they haven't finished with us. And it's saying that if they have given the power to the West or the educated ones, they won't have they, 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 they would have been cut off completely. Yes, they would have been the way Nigeria was going, they would have been cut off completely from the system and making them lose their right of ownership to what they presume or what they thought they had. So the North was the best bait for them to keep on holding us in hostage. And now they know they not again being that they have a, a, a system whereby they, they don't push their people to school, conquer a rule system that they have dominated according to what I told you I said earlier about the slavery issue. Now leave their people at that level of slavery. Why the the, the elites or the elites among them keep on grooming their children to come back and succeed and keep on ruling and ruling and ruling and making them that they are just there and they cannot grow. And use them as their political tools anytime they need them for. So that was the issue. So we're giving independence and handing over Nigeria as the state to people that can easily be uh, penetrated and always come back for. Until today, one of one day, and when still I was our in weakest school, link up to date. Dates. They are still our weakest link. They when you write and we want to, that that is why they. I try they always want to rise and and suppress us and suppress and suppress that you are educated but your education does not have anything to do with power and Damascus, what you said just right now just like led me like thinking of something what did they actually sign in that treaty when they were giving us independence like mm. what did they sign i'm trying to figure out what was the terms of contract exactly because 
Like, because it, it, it seems there's something they know that we don't know about. Yes! That and is making it hard. Good. Or was it just me? Was was Tafawa Balewa kind of the poster boy for independence? I don't know if you got that. He was like the face. Mm. Because even they, they tried, they were trying so hard to push Awolowo to the side. Yes, we got to know Awolowo and everything. I mean, the man owned um, ran a political party and all of that. But is it Tafawa Balewa had this whole I'm the face for independence? Did any other person notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, the thing is, okay, so Tafawa Balewa was actually the leader of Nigeria, right, from 1957. That's three years before the independence. And he continued being the leader until he was killed in the first coup in January 1966. So even though, um, what's his name, Namdi um, was just the ceremonial head of Nigeria. He, he he didn't have any power at all, so mm, there's just, no surprise there that he, yes, he was just a figurehead. Yeah. In fact, we know we are practicing kind of seeing um, the British. We are practicing um, the system that time. Yes. Yes, and Tafawa Balewa then was the Boris Johnson of now. Yes, but that is prime. He was the prime, was the prime <laughs> minister. Yes, and and then uh, what now is it? Like me. Uh, Oh, really? Namdi Azikiwe was. <laughs> you have to do yes, that. <laughs> you have to do Nam that to Boris. Really? <laughs> then Namdi Azikiwe was the was the what's it called? Queen Queen. Queen <laughs> yes, Namdi Azikiwe was the queen. His son is just to move around the 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 palace and snap picture and do all those things and go and welcome <laughs> people in the airport. <laughs> you you so, worry about time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 the what thing is, it was, it was <laughs> No, Awolo was not was not um he was a the a premier of the, was the western, western right? region. No, I want you to compare him to someone region. in the UK like you've been doing. He wasn't in the central yeah. government. Okay, he wasn't you want in the central government. <laughs> you want me to compare? I want to. Yes, please. <laughs> No, the difference is that uh, in UK, the regional governments do not really have power. Like... Okay, my recommendation, I think, for well, I say for a better Nigeria or for a better state for Nigeria, one. We have to correct our uh, one is fundamental. That is our some of our norms and whatever that is in uh, uh, that is uh, in our constitution that does not go down well for the whole Nigeria people should be scrapped, should be removed. Then two. We all clamor for a better Nigeria. This better Nigeria, as it is, since we are we are now practicing a, a democratic system of government, I feel if over sixty percent of this population that are youth today wake up, go down to the very high neck uh, office to get their PVC, 
By 2023, we are ready to change a government from these old people's hand. That would be it. It would be a massive turnout, saying that this is what we want. And people are sending to their various, uh, from, from our various state to National Assembly, the people that they are, ready, they are ready to go in there to change those constitutions that we have on ground that is not going anywhere. So we should, it should be noted that our PBC will be the one to help us out in 2023 to remove these old ones out. Not saying that the young ones will not have their own greedy mind, but at least saying that what we use in booted the old ones out for the younger ones, it's even easier for us to do that with the person. So our PVC is necessary for every young Nigerian. Then the third one, we will say that the country is sectionalized, but with a common purpose, irrespective of our, our uh, religion, ethnicity, wherever we are coming from. Yeah. If there's a willpower, what we want to achieve as a, as a country in Nigeria from the people, those language barriers will be secondary. It will not be as like because I'm not speaking Igbo, somebody from the Igbo land, you cannot do something because she's an Igbo person. I, I speak ethic, I only look for an ethic person to come and do it. So all, this, all these things, will not be a factor if we have the willpower to do what we want as a people to the common good of every Nigeria, be it from Medugri down to uh, Okrika in River State. That willpower will help us to achieve our common goal of having a better Nigeria. Hmm. So for me, these are my three recommendations I would like to put across. All right, so um, first of all, for me, I think the very important thing of which we've started doing is Nigerians need to stop this I don't care issue. Mm. Like, you know, affects me. So more just be like, it's a serious issue. I always like referring back to the whole NSAS protesting because it taught me a lot. It opened my eyes to a lot of things. I was actively involved and the moment my father found out that oh there's something like protest going on he already knew he had a mad person for a child so he wrote me a very long epistle already giving me advice coupled with warnings coupled with guilt tripping me into staying home and i'm like we're all fighting for our country i'm a youth and my mates are going out there. I'm not going to sit back at home. And Ma was like, wow, is it your business and all of that? There's no, I'm straight Basically, he was implying that since, I'm sure it has not affected you before to sit at home. First of all, why would, like, you see that I don't care attitude of, oh, it's not happened to me. It's not happened to any of my family members. So it doesn't concern me. It needs to stop. We basically see people get harassed by the police and we drive past because I mean, what our business we do. So first of all, we need to stop this I don't care attitude and see every Nigerian as a brother, as a sister. We need to stop profiling. You're on dreads. You're wearing a dress I don't like. 
doesn't matter, doesn't mean you're a criminal. They're not the right criminal for face, yeah, but I shouldn't profile you or judge you. That, that, that's for starters. I think we should just first of all get that clear mind that everybody is one. We need to stop this whole, oh, I'm Igbo, I'm a man, I, that I'm a man, I'm a woman thing. I, there was a thread on Twitter. I almost murdered everybody there. What kind of stupid question is, um, would you be comfortable having a woman as a leader? And then somebody had the guts to say uh, that they cannot stand the idea of a woman being in, in, in a position of power. Who the hell do you think? I think we need to get to that stage. Well, guys, Patriarchy FC need to like get into their head that we'll have we'll get to a stage whereby a woman will be president and a woman will be VP and a woman will be Senate president. We need to get to that. Like they need to get into their head that it will definitely happen at, at some point. It will happen. Then, as by getting our PVCs now, there's this proverb that goes that says, um, no matter how far and unmotorable and unaccessible a village is. Ballot, ballot bus will always reach there, but development will not. Now, the of people, course. these people legit, these people in places of power legit get votes. It's not like they don't. They get votes. They get their votes from those people, those grassroots people. You can imagine when they when they are ready, when they are ready to start campaigning for you, also see them when they're ready to start campaigning for election. They don't ever come to us, the ones that are educated or whatever. They don't come and say, okay. We are giving out um, tech to you guys to, to like, that, no, they don't do that. They go to the grassroots. They start sharing wheelbarrow. Wheelbarrow is even expensive. What am I saying? They start sharing one, one dirica of rice and one tuba of yams and tell our mothers to pose these yams to the city. And then they start frying akara and all of that. And now these people there in the, in the grassroots don't even know what's going on. So in their mind, ah, they gave us rice, they gave us yams, movie, they, they go and vote. So we need to take this education down to them and let them know that ah, CEO, CEO, forget every four-year bag of rice, uh, one day of rice. So we need an everlasting change. Not just you, you, you don't need like I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. So we need to focus on these grassroots people. That is very, very important. The grassroots people, we need to focus on them. We need to focus on educating more Nigerians. But even if we can't, we have to focus on doing, giving them basic education. So basically, uh, a solution, for, to me, I feel like a solution is unity and then basic education of those people at the grassroots level. Yeah, thank you, Ifna. So for me, I think um, it's nothing different from what everyone has said. I think two major things is um, if we are going to move on as a country, we should go back to the basics, go back to our constitution, what ties us together. We need to really go back there because that's where all our problem is. Already it's a faulty foundation. So if we must move forward, we need to go back. Our history is very important. And if we know this history, we know where our problem is coming from and how to handle it going forward. So, for me, I think our constitution needs to be reviewed. That should be like our, opt, our, our utmost goal because that is that is what is that is what is feeding the corruption. The constitution on its own enables the corruption to go unattended. Like <laughs> it survives the corruption. I don't know how to. I don't know how to. It supplies yeah. it with. 
blood, water, food, everything. So I think we need to like deconstruct that constitution and come up with what can bring us together as a people if we decide to stay together because unity of purpose like Olabisi mentioned is very important. If as a nation we don't have unity of purpose then there's no need even to be Nigeria in the first place. Everybody will separate but if we decide that okay this is our purpose, this is our goal, this is how we want to move on then we have unity of purpose then we can now fight as a country. Then the second thing which I think if Naya mentioned was this ethnic profiling, which I feel like is still a weak link in this birth of a new Nigeria, because this is the card that usually try to divide us and the government knows this and they use it all the time, you know? And I know Charles was talking about the common man not being able to feed that that is what is their need now. But let me, to be honest, once that tribal card is played, what it brings up is old wounds. And that is what motivates people to either fight for themselves or not come together as one. Because the next thing you hear is that it's true. It is because of the North that we are here. Oh, it's true. It's because of the South. It's because of this betrayal by the West, you know, then we don't have that one voice. So I think we need to also deal with our ethnic profiling and ethnic perception of who we are as a nation, which can be done by um, educating people in the grassroots because that is where it starts. It's not like from, from people like us, me and you, we are a bit exposed, we know our history and something. It's easier for us to accept change, but you see those people in the grassroots that are marginalized either because of poverty or they are not educated. They don't understand all this. So even doing the work of going down to the grassroots to bring that unity of purpose and oneness as a nation is also important. So for me, my two recommendations would be one, deconstructing the constitution and putting it together to make it work for a new Nigeria and it's also it's this constructing the ethnic profiling, existing ethnic perception we have as a nation and building a new perception for a new Nigeria, a new image. You know, there was a time they did this uh, new Nigeria face and all that, but they didn't really tackle, the, it was just a cosmetic something. They didn't really go yeah. deep. So if we want a new Nigeria thing, we need to come up with a framework that will deal with the ethnic issues of Nigeria, settle it, then we can move forward. So thank you everyone for your time. Thank you. You're already yawning. I think you're hungry or you're tired. <laughs> if Unenya, thank you so much for thank your time, you. your contributions, you. your wahala. Your anger, <laughs> felt it. Thank you, Oleg, for your time. You know, one question I asked Ifunanya was, how will Oleg manage today in this discussion? <laughs> because he's not Nigerian. Tell them my know? answer. <laughs> Tell them my answer. I don't know, I forgot. Oleg, I had your back all through. <laughs> I had your back all through. I sent you. So <laughs>
survive. He said you will survive. You will survive, yeah, and you did. I said that. I hope so you did. Oleg, I'm your only friend. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy All the right. rest of your <laughs> evening. Bye. 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 Have a good week. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you have questions, reservations, comments, or opposing views, you can send us a DM at Satire Africa on Instagram or join us at Readers Colony on Slack. Or better still, you can email us at satire using satirepress at gmail.com. Thank you.